Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Roast House Pub, one of Frederick's finest craft beer and culinary destinations where great people come to drink amazing beer. Visit them at roasthousepub.com to track their taps and menu, or download the digital pour app to track their tap list on <coughs> in real time. That was a poorly read last sentence. It works. Job's done. Yeah. And joining us this week is the um, sleepy Colin McGuire. I'm not sleepy. The very awake and animated Colin McGuire. Yeah. Hello. And joining (laughs) us are the two fine gentlemen, Tim Scouten, also known as Scootin. Also incorrectly pronounced Scootin. Yep. And Rahul Chirian, whose name I've never pronounced wrong. Yeah, that's weird. Of Gunda Beersmiths. Yeah, my name is two English words pushed <laughs> together, Scout and Ten, and his is ambiguous, and you nailed it. You got it. It just, it, it reads easier. Also, <laughs> the sun was very bright that day, and the text was small, and mm. there was so much chaos going around, and I already knew that it was a complete debacle. So. What, at Waverly? Yeah, at yeah. Waverly. What an awesome disaster. It was a fun disaster. Um I really struggled with whether I should upload. I should have uploaded that episode, but I did. You got to let it ride. When when you got the boys, um, you know, from shelfies on there, people know what to expect. Yeah, a little bit I, of chaos. Yeah, I I feel like anyone really listening to that one probably, if they didn't know what kind of people they are, they knew right away. And by that, I mean just goofs. Yeah, with Boston accent. You know, that's. That would just turns it all up a notch. It takes it to 12. 12. 12 <laughs> out of 10. But So you two are the owners of Gunda Beersmiths. Yep. Uh, me and Rahul started the project in, I don't remember, 2015? End of 2015, yeah, yep. Started talking about um, how we could make more beer that we're passionate about. As contract brewers from Peabody Heights, that's our, our day job, we make a lot of beer for a lot of people. Um, but... It's hard to be passionate all the time when you're making everybody else's recipes and sometimes they take all the credit. Um, and, uh, so we just said, you know, like what, what can we do to, you know, be a little bit, you know, brewing is a very creative thing and, and we have specific styles of beer that we like to make and, and how do we go about doing that? And, and so Rahul came up with the idea to buy a, a huge pilot system and put it over in the corner of the of Peabody Heights and we went to Dick and Eddie and Mike and everybody in the office and the ownership over at Peabody and they just kind of greenlit it you know on a handshake deal just to let us start putting our beer out so how long have you have you guys been at Peabody Heights well you were still Tim you're still at Peabody Heights Mm -hmm. and you recently went Mm full-time Gunda Raul yep yeah so it you know I'm, I've been at Peabody Heights. We, he started two weeks after me. So that was, I, I think, early 2015. Yeah. So it would have been February 2015. So that puts us about two and a half years into um, professional brewing. Mm-hmm. So what, Rahul, what were you doing? See, I'm going to make you talk. Okay. <laughs> what were you doing before you became a professional brewer? Um, I, well, prior to the stint at Peabody, I had done a stint with Bang Hound in Rockville years ago. Um, and then I was bartending in between and, um, anybody can tell you there's not a lot of money in brewing, but I was passionate about it. So I figured I'm going to go back into it and I applied to Peabody and we both ended up there 
So did you take the one of the normal routes of you as growing up, you got into home brewing yep. and then you Yeah, pretty much just a big beer fan and one day I was just driving past MD Homebrew and I figured why not? So I just bought a bucket and started and quickly became an obsession. Awesome. And you Tim? Uh so I was working uh when I got married in 2012. I couldn't really find a job in the field that I wanted to work in, and we had moved to Maryland recently where my wife was a teacher, and our friends, the Weckers. What was that field? Uh, pastoral ministry. <laughs> I, have a, I have a bachelor's degree in Bible, uh, which is that, interesting. That is. That's surprising. Fairly hilarious. Yep. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they, we always joke that, like, Jesus turned water into wine, I turned water into beer. So a little less miraculous. But a little more delicious. Less Jesus as well, I'm going to say. <laughs> a little bit. I and mean, I've only met you once and had a semi-long conversation with you, but I'm going to say a whole lot less Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's you know still in the realm, just a lot more swearing <laughs> and a lot more drinking. Um, but, you know, yeah. Anyways. So I, I my friends, the Weckers, they own um, uh, a bunch of restaurants. So they own the Iron Bridge Wine Company in Columbia, Maryland, and they own... Mutiny Pirate Bar and Island Grill, which was in is in Glen Burnie. They're actually moving it up closer to Route Two uh, soon, so you'll probably hear about it then. But it's a rum bar. They have a, about 150, 160 different rums, which makes them the largest rum bar on the East Coast. There's only a few in the country that kind of contest that number, and that's they're all on the on the West Coast. And uh, I just they put me to work bar back in there, and you know pouring draft beer and doing everything that the bartender told me. I got trained as a bartender. I started taking over the infusions and things like that. We did a lot of house infusions with fruit and, uh, and different ingredients. And, and I just kind of fell in love with craft, craft everything. You know, it was first, you know, cocktails and, and rum, and they have 12 taps over there, and, and six of them are normally local craft beer. One of the first beers that I really liked was actually um, Red Scent Amber Ale, which is a um, beer that's made by Peabody Heights and uh, under the label, um, what's it called? Public again? Works. Public Works, sorry. And, uh, you know, just falling in love with how ingredients and, and how things play into a, fi- a finished product. And then from there, um, I did some catering. I, I've been in the bar industry for a long time. I started working at World of Beer in, uh, in Baltimore, the first one in Maryland. And when I got trained there, that's a really cool place to catch a training because they, they put you through the ringer. It's a Cicerone, um, you know, beer server level of training in terms of glassware uh, prep and and, and everything that goes into pouring a proper beer. And then from there, one of my customers, I was at a, I was working a day shift on Tuesday, and my friend Brian came in, and he said that he had just got an email from uh, his homebrew club, I think Balta Brew, and they, they, that Peabody Heights was looking for brewers that they didn't have to have any experience. And so I just submitted a resume, and, and Ernie hired me. And two weeks later, he hired Rahul, and uh, we started you know kegging and got into the brew house and worked our way up, and, and now we're essentially the head brewers. At, at Peabody Heights, so. So something I've never, I've never thought to ask anyone before. What is the interview process like for becoming a brewer? The interviewing with Ernie is a lot of apologizing for how little they're going to pay us. Um, <laughs> he's like, you know, like how much are you making an hour right now? And I'm like, I don't know, somewhere around thirty dollars an hour is bartending, you know. So you work short shifts, big money. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, we're not, yeah, we can't do that. And you know, you're gonna make a lot less. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you know, it, it's really cool it, with Ernie. He's he's such a. Uh, like a low-key dude, he really just wants to see if he thinks you can learn. You know, he's a he's a teaching brewer, and uh, he really likes to train people with no experience because he wants he wants people to brew the way he wants them to brew, and not bring a ton of experience in. 
that's going to muddle the water between opinions because there's a, a million ways to to make beer and, and he has his processes he wants to train you with with uh that so if he thinks you know you're malleable you're willing to come learn and work hard and that's how it was it was very very simple with us and uh short conversation trip around the brewery introducing me to people as if i was hired and uh and that's kind of how it goes so you you don't have to take in like samples of beer you've made. I think it definitely varies from brewery to brewery. Some people Absolutely. are looking for people with a lot of experience and you know knowledge of the science, and some people just want people they can mold so that they do things their way. And um, definitely Peabody Heights was that way. They just wanted somebody who they thought would fit in personality wise. And um, and yeah, so basically it was just more uh, more trying to get a sense if they thought we were good people or not. So you were, you've been working at Peabody Heights, and what made you want to start Gunda? Just like I said uh, a little bit was that we, we just have a, a very limited amount of creative control in the brew house over there. It's a big system. It's a 30-hectoliter uh, system. Um, and What's uh, that in real numbers? What is that in real numbers? Okay. That's actually 25.5 barrels, <laughs> unlike what uh, Ryan actually from Guinness was saying that um, 100 hectoliters is... 107 barrels that's not correct at all it's actually 15 percent less um because there's 26 <laughs> but Gunda versus guinness yeah. yeah we'll see who wins that no we've been throwing shade at ryan since he got here uh he's a great dude and uh he's been very open to taking the criticism because he knows it's out there um he's been taking it on the chin and that was a it was a great interview he just you know we're brewers we know the math and uh <laughs> and he doesn't well, he's probably not used to an obnoxious person every time they say hectoliters. Like, no, tell me that in a real number. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's everybody we've ever talked yeah. to. We also work in centigrade and Plato. Um, unlike most breweries, work in specific gravity and Fahrenheit. Yeah, I mean, he's probably used to professionals talking to him and sure. like people who are trained to interview properly and not be obnoxious. So. Yeah, not be like enough of that European bullcrap. <laughs> Can you just? We're give in America. It, give it to I me, want American. real numbers. Yeah. So, but yeah, so we're actually a 30 hectoliter system. Um, the, the sellers, we have 90 hectoliter tanks and 120 hectoliter tanks. And that pretty much equates to 75 barrels and hundred barrels. Um, when you, when you shake it out. Uh, so there's not a lot of creative control for two different reasons. One, we, we are primarily a contract brewer and two, um, because the, uh, it's a big scale. You don't really get to, to play around or try something weird on the big system. If you've never, if you've never tried it on a smaller system. And so one of the things that Gunda does is it, you know, essentially um, pilots beer for Gunda. It's all Gunda beer, everything that's over there. It's on our system that we own. Um, it's on our time. But what the that beer has directly influenced um, the things that Peabody Heights, Peabody Heights is making. So, so at are there are there other brewers? How many other brewers does Peabody Heights have? So three currently. And so. who who does the recipes for the Peabody Heights branded beers? That's a it's a, a kind of a, a community of people. Okay. Uh, so that we have our brewmaster Ernie Ernie Egot, and he has made all the recipes essentially for uh, everything that um, that Peabody Heights has done, including Old Oriole Park, our Bohemian Lager. Uh, we have a light American Stout. We have a bunch of um, them. We we're running under the name Baltimore um, Brewing Company for a little while. And then also the, the public works lines. Those are all uh, Ernie's beers, essentially a little bit of influence too from Eli Breitberg Smith, who's currently the, the lead distiller and part owner of um, the Baltimore Whiskey Company. And it, he was there. He's the one that trained uh, me and, and Rahul before he left to go 
distilling. So a lot of those recipes, especially that's the early be, ones. He's going to, they're moving to the Union, Union Collective, right? Yeah, that's right. That, their video was hilarious. It's amazing. <laughs> Just Eli sitting in a bunch of barrels, yeah. like writing a letter. Um, they're ridiculous. He's, he, they, um, Eli was one of the founders of the bros, the Baltimore rock opera society. And if you haven't seen a Baltimore rock opera society show, you have to, uh, it's ridiculous. It's just, it's live rock music. It's kind of hair metal and, and like craziness. And then they have a whole play that goes with it. Normally has a lot of, um, inappropriate, uh, stuff in there too, that we probably shouldn't talk about, but yeah, it's, they're great. But anyways, Eli is a, a creative and, and when it comes to, he's also an incredible brewer and distiller, but he, uh, they when they come up with stuff between him max and ian they're such dorks they did like they do like calendar shoots you know with their shirts off and wearing like <laughs> visors and weird stuff and just like you know flexing around all of the equipment all four pieces of equipment that they have in the distillery <laughs> um they're, they're just they're ridiculous but anyways eli uh and ernie um collaborated on a couple of the early recipes too once uh the peabody heights line came out the first beer that we did with that. It's kind of a rebrand, essentially. We've always been Peabody Heights Brewery, but they've always operated underneath a, a, a myriad of other brand names, uh, which is ridiculous. And and one of the things that we said for the longest time when we first started with there was, you know, to Dick and Eddie, the owners, you got to have a Peabody Heights line. What are you talking about? Like, you know how hard it is to explain what Peabody Heights is to people when they've never heard the name, the name. And then if they have heard of Public Works or they have heard of Old Oriole Park, that even muddles the water even more. And then you bring in contract brewing and you say Full Tilt and Raven Beer and and all those uh, companies, now they're even more confused. How about we just have a brand? And so uh, the same person that did our artwork, Montana Bowman for uh, Gunda, actually did the rebrand for Peabody Heights, which includes the baseball diamond, the pH, and everything. And so the first beer off that was Thursday. Um, and all of those early beers that we did were all derivative of Gunda recipes, primarily Rahul. He's our kind of the recipe writer. So all pretty much all of the newer beers that have come out have have if if they're not directly our recipes they they're influenced heavily by what we've been doing over there except for togi which was made by graham chrysler who is one of our other brewers togi's a amber lager and then the saison was written by ernie um but then you know just the the haze craze the mild dry hop and the chamomile and all those things in a couple of tweaks from from rahul so so how how do you decide what's going to be a gunda beer and what's going to be a peabody heights beer well, Gunda beer is brewed on Gunda's system. Okay. Peabody Heights beer is never brewed on Gunda's system, and only sometimes is Gunda beer brewed on Peabody Heights system. And but I mean, like when you're developing a recipe. So mm-hmm. if Rahul, I mean, I guess not anymore, but I mean, uh, when you were working on recipes for both entities, mm-hmm. was it just like Peabody Heights is more of a, they seemed from the descriptions more of a traditional type Absolutely. Of, yeah. of styles. Well, their where, brewer is very traditional. Where Gunda is just, you're making whatever the heck you want. Yeah. So we're invested in both. You know, we obviously own Gunda and we're, we want that brand to do well. But we're also, we were given our start by the guys at Peabody and we love being there and, and showcasing their beer. So we develop recipes for ourselves on the Gunda system. We're playing around with different, different ideas. And um, when they approach us from Peabody about putting out, say, like Thursday, they want to put out a big juicy pale ale. They'll come to us and we'll we'll go over what we've done at Gunda and come up with a derivative recipe. There's no real clear division, but typically what we tend to do on the Peabody scale is not quite as out there as some of the stuff we'll try on the Gunda scale. But really, the, the, the root of all the recipes comes from the same point. What does Gunda mean? Oh, Gunda is just a, it's an Indian word. It, it means like the troublemakers. It's where Goon, oh. it's like where Goon came Did from. Did you know that, Chris? I did know that. 
Well, then that's my last question. Goodbye. <laughs> I, I was actually, I'm glad you jumped in because I was wondering if you did have any questions. You've just been sitting there so you're quietly. Tr- trouble. Well, we're at the uncapped building sponsored by, okay. <laughs> he almost <laughs> hit me. He almost hit me. Did you get that on, <laughs> on camera? So, so it's the troublemakers. You guys are the troublemakers. Yeah, I think that kind of plays into, you know, who we were when we were younger who we are currently in the industry, um, you know, and, and just a little bit of how we act at Peabody as well. <laughs> Do you ever want to, uh, would you ever want to go back into the sort of pastor thing? Go back to the Bible? <laughs> I still go to church. Uh, <laughs> I still am really active in, in my church. I go to National Community Church in D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's complicated, you know, as most things in life are. But yeah, I don't, I, I've never felt like I was going to be a traditional pastor or leader of a church where you stand up every Sunday and whatever. Mm-hmm. I really have this, um, I have a calling to, to help people and to, and that doesn't always look, you know, leadership and help helping people does not always look like what it looks like from the pulpit. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's community service. It's, um, community advocacy. It's, uh, it's, it's leveraging your brand and, and what you do, um, to help people. And so Maybe that means a nonprofit brewery or a nonprofit arm of our our company at some point, um, but we'll see. Hmm. A nonprofit brewery does does that exist currently? There mm-hmm. are a few. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know of any, Chris? Since you know everything. No. No. What can you name some? I can't. Oh, um, I, it's not. it's a very it's a very like Portlandy thing. Oh. Um, but there's a couple that I have heard about, and I actually sat down with a group, uh, a co-op group at Red Emma's in Baltimore. Um, and talked about it a little bit and they had the they they told me about it which was really cool and mm. i actually have a friend that is uh that's planting a church in nashville um and he's he's in the music industry he's a recording artist and he's planting a church and he had the idea of somehow making you know like you know a lot of churches like our church in dc actually owns um a couple of different places they own a movie theater uh their movie theater church a lot of our locations they meet in movie theaters it's a mobile church and they also own a coffee shop called Ebenezer's right by uh, Union, is it Union Station in D.C.? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, an mu- amazing place. They have offices upstairs. They have a, a showcase space downstairs where they have local concerts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Kind of that watering hole theme, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, be, be where the people are. You know, it's a, it's, it's a pretty biblical concept. And so I don't think that, you know, uh, you, you, prohibition had a weird influence on church in the United States. Uh, where there was a direct connection with alcohol and the devil, and uh, I don't think that any there's anything in scripture that that makes that that connection. In fact, you know, you have the literally the the focal point of that religion that's turning water into wine at a wedding just to make people happy. I don't think that's uh yeah, it seems counter counterintuitive. Yeah, it's really dumb. But anyway, so same idea: watering hole, coffee shop. Coffee shops are easy. Why? Because you know, caffeine is a drug that the church likes. And, uh, but there's other drugs that they, they, they frown upon, at least in, in our, uh, our area. And, uh, but the idea of having a tavern, you know what I mean? Like a tavern or a pub, pub, public house. It's a place where people used to go. There were rooms for rent. There were, it was a place where you'd come, you'd hang out during the day, drink some pints, eat some food, find some, um, local connection, talk to people. And then, uh, so why can't that be a part of the modern scape as well? And why can't a brewery be involved? So, Hmm. Go ahead, Chris. Um, I think now would be a great time to pour another beer. Cool. And I can use that time to talk about the great events coming up at Roast House Pub and thank them once again for their 
Did they pay for that cough in the opening read? Yeah, that was extra. Yeah. Actually, so, they get a discount. They get a discount now. So, as always, the Uncapped Podcast is brought to you by Roast House Pub. <coughs> if you're listening to this live <laughs> tomorrow, <coughs> September... Thank you for the coughing, Colin. That's helpful. Um, tomorrow, Tuesday, September 26th, there will be an Oscar Blues Taco Beer Dinner. Congratulations oh, that's right. to Who the... Who won? Um, I, I don't have the name. The, Chris. The, there were three people oh who won. Oh, my goodness they gracious. Don't, they asked not to have their names read. You're the devil. And there are five courses paired with five different Oscar Blues beers. Ooh, what are those? I don't know. And on, on September 28th at 4 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. will be the third iteration of Mom's Spaghetti Dinner. Do you know about that, Colin? I do. Do you know what Mom's Spaghetti Dinner is? Spaghetti. It's when two breweries come with their mother's spaghetti sauce recipes and the patrons of the Roast House Pub vote whose is better. Can I say wow. who the breweries are? You can say who is the it, breweries are. Is it are. Lancaster Brewing? It is. And if I was to guess, it's a Red Shedman probably? Those are amazing guesses. Oh, man. i a listener. Wow. You're much more useful than Colin is. Yeah. Well, so I'm ready to go when you are. And then, as to always, the spaghetti dinner because it's going to be amazing. Yes, that's right. It seems sad that somebody's mom loses. I know. Yeah. Why yeah. is everything a competition in this world? Also, I'm going to go Lancaster Brewing. I feel like that they're they're just a little home homely homelier. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. But they're like right in the Amish country. Yeah, you just it feels it's Lancaster. Yeah, it feels like if any place is going to produce some good home cooking, it's going to be Lancaster. Shoe fly pie and spaghetti. It's not Lancaster. It's Lancaster. Lancaster. Whatever. Uh, although Red Shedman is from Frederick so, mm. and on a farm, so they, they make have good that, beer. I just don't know about their spaghetti still skills. Yeah. I, I, I have no idea their spaghetti. Well, I don't know either their spaghetti <laughs> skills. But if you go to Roast House Pub on September 28th at 4 p.m., you can find out about their spaghetti making skills. Are you inviting me to go with you? Everyone oh. is welcome to join me except for Colin. And as always, visit roasthousepub.com for tickets and information of all their events. There's a events tab also you can check their tap list and how much beer is left and hopefully at some <coughs> point you'll be able to see gunda's beer on that tap list they have reached out so and we promise someday when we're bigger that we will get beer out to frederick more often i don't think you should wait that long mm. okay you got some you got about mm, half a million dollars so we can do a build out <laughs> so we can get beer out to frederick on a regular basis i don't have um I have a small percentage of that, mm. like whatever five to ten dollars equals. We'll take it. Yes. Yeah. Just give it to us. I swear we'll. It'll expedite the process <laughs> of getting beer to Frederick if you just give me ten dollars. Uh, this is re- so. This is Monument. Yeah. And back to um, the podcast. So We're have back. you guys had Monument? We're back. On. I, I have no. Not. For we the camera, not, we have not had Monument is on. Is that yet. on the camera right now? I don't know. Yep. So we got Nobo, which is northbound, which is a is a phrase that they use on the Appalachian Trail, uh, which is something that Matt and Ken uh, hiked on a pretty regular basis, I think. Uh, they're brothers, owner, owners of Monument City. Did they do the whole trail? I don't think so. I, you'd have to you have to have them on. They have quite a story. Okay. Um, but they they uh, did a, a large section of it, I think, together. I know Matt did. Um, and then they they like once a year they do a camping trip to kind of kind of figure out where they want to be with their company and stuff and. And so this is just an influence from that. And it's a hazy New England pale ale, um, dry hop throughout fermentation with Citra. Is that a new style? It's a new style if you've been under a rock for the last five years. 
Um, but if you haven't been under the rock, it's an old style. Officially. So people like these? I think so. I think so because it's literally the only reason Gunda is successful. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, they do like them. And uh, But it's really good. Yeah, they turn out well. Yeah, this is their first attempt at this. This They're, is delicious. Yeah, I think so too. Really approachable, very smooth. Um, I was just hanging out with them Saturday. They gave me a six-pack on my way out the door. So I figured I'd bring it and share it. This is very different than most of their other beers. Absolutely. They're mu- they're, like, everything else I've had from them were is much more malt forward. I think that's than... definitely the way they started. They mm-hmm. wanted to make the sort of beers that they love, which are more traditional styles, and make them well, which they have been doing. But you kind of have to do one of these, right? Yeah. Because you can't. <laughs> You'll get left out. If Mike McDonald at, at Key is making New England pale ales, I think it's it's everybody's turn to make New England style beers. Cause they're I'll... making good ones, too. He does. Yeah. It was so good. I got to taste all of it, which means nobody poured me any. I so passed thanks. the can that way, so well, thanks Chris... for making zero effort for reaching out to it. He was too focused on coughing and mocking me. So no. That got in the way of I'm committed to making thirst. this a grade-A podcast. Do you guys listen to the Uncapped podcast a lot? I, I listen to it almost every time. Yeah, I was listening to it on the way out here with uh, Peter Francho and Liz Murphy, some of my favorite Maryland people. So which ones have you, have you not listened to? Yeah. I didn't listen so, to the, the, the Guinness one until it just clicked on following the, yeah. the Liz Murphy one. Uh, Liz Murphy one. Uh, Peter Francho episode. <laughs> Everything's a Liz Murphy episode if she's going to be on it. She's a powerful figure. Um, but yeah, I just hadn't had a chance to listen to it. I listen to way too many podcasts. I'm exclusively mm. at the brewery headphones in, ignoring everybody and and playing podcasts on my phone. So. Yeah, actually, I there was one quote from before we move on from um, the transition from just being full Peabody Heights to also doing Gunda. There was a quote that you made role in when you were on <clears throat> um, the Naptown Pintcast. Oh no! Where you said no? <laughs> it's like I, I spoke on the <laughs> podcast. It was it was like it was hard to cut down the five or so minutes worth of words that you spoke. Um, but you said, I'm upset that the beer I want to be drinking, maybe I haven't found yet. And I just thought that was, it, it kind of almost could apply though to the entire craft beer industry mm-hmm. and like to fans themselves. Cause everyone wants to try that next yep. thing. No, like there are obviously people who have their favorites that they always go back right. to, but so much of craft beer culture seems is just singularly focused on finding what is that next new beer mm-hmm. yeah that's what's been so exciting about the whole american beer scene i think a while ago it was here's here's how people make beer this is the way beer is made you can come enjoy it and then america had this spirit of no we're we're gonna toss it up and try something new and i think that's when the whole craze started everybody hey let's let's figure out what we can do next we're gonna take the style yep. books and just catch them on fire exactly and <laughs> try something new um i think it's always great when people adhere to styles and try to work within the framework of of the existing norms but sometimes you just have to try something new entirely so i'm excited for whatever comes next whether we figure it out or somebody else does right it's just as exciting wandering into monument city and seeing that they you know blew the doors off of what they'd been doing to try a new style and and they have one called sobo coming up next weekend uh too it's the double ipa version um, but it's we're just excited for Maryland beer and beer in general. You know, it's you know you say like oh the, you know the public's always searching for the next next beer. We are doing the exact same thing. Not only are we searching for it as consumers, but we're searching for it 
as producers as well. Um, we made 20, 25 beers our first year, uh, one barrel batches. And we liked every, pretty much every single one of them. But the next one was always better. You know what I mean? The next one and the next one, the next one. Until, you know, you come across a beer like Don't Feed the Trolls that people just love, uh, which is like our West Coast, West Coast, like New England style um, mashup where it's got still got the bitterness that a lot of the New England beers are missing. But also uh, that, that creaminess and, and uh, the just pungent hop aroma, too. You know, that one is a beer that was that was the first beer we made twice. You know, we made that beer and there was such high demand for it that we made it again. And then we made it a third time and we canned it in a really cool can. Um, you know, our designer Montana is incredible. He's always making us look way more legit than we are, which is something we talked about when we came in here to sit down with Chris, you know, this, the setup in here for the podcast. And it's, it's a, it's amazing. And you know, it's always a fake it till you make it thing with most industries. And Especially I think we're doing us. a pretty good job. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so I, I had started to tell before, uh, an hour or so ago, Graham, the story of don't feed the trolls mm. and then working backwards. You want to yeah, tell so, that story? So we told the story great. on three other podcasts because <laughs> it it's is, a good story. It's a and, great story. And, so who cares if people keep hearing it again? Yeah. Shout out craft beer review podcast and Naptown pint by Liz Murphy. Um, if I could throw your competitors out there, uh, if that's a thing, just like craft beer. I mean, I don't think people have enough to drink or to listen to. So it's always cool to have. And we're it. always looking for new ways to ignore other people around us. That's so. exactly right. If you see me like anywhere, like walking through a grocery store and I just laugh hysterically out loud like a crazy person, um, it's probably because I'm listening to some wildly inappropriate comedy podcast. Um, anyways, so, uh, you know, th- so the story starts with, uh, you know, me not giving any care to what other people think about what we do or what we say uh, it, with the Gunda thing. And. So I came out with a beer last fall. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this presidential candidate we had. Um, he then went on to become the 45th president of the United States. His name is Donald Trump. And uh, he is both um, orange in color <laughs> and absolutely full of shit also. Um, and so we actually had a pumpkin beer that we came out with uh, called Trumpkin, orange and full of shit. Now, uh, it's a pun because Trump, pumpkin because he looks like a pumpkin, and also because he's orange and he's full of shit. It works in so many different There's angles. Just, you know, so many facets of, of hilarity. And uh, so we did that, and the internet did not like it. Um, you'd think that being Maryland, uh, you know, being gerrymandered a Democratic, um, you know, state, you know, you'd think we'd be pretty friendly to making jokes about candidates of different colors. Turns um, out. No. Yeah. And so we, we, we had a bunch of Yelp reviews for Peabody Heights tasting room, which we're not connected directly with them. You know, we're employees over there, but you know, they pour our beer. They also pour full tilts beer, Raven beer, and uh, they don't get to decide what we do when we name a beer. So people were yelping from Ohio about uh, how they came in the tasting room and they didn't get to try the drinks or the food because they were ridiculed by the staff and the patrons. And so it's like, which is just hilarious on so many levels because, uh, one, we don't serve food, um, but also there's our... So that may have been the main reason that they weren't, <laughs> yeah. other than not being there actually, but... Yeah, yeah, being in Ohio while you're writing Yelp reviews. Uh, <laughs> you know, our tasting room is one of the most community-based tasting rooms I've ever seen. I, I actually know. didn't even know they had the internet in Ohio. I know. It, well, I mean, yes, they do now. Um, Trump <laughs> has provided that for them. And, uh, and so, you know, you... you we have a tasting room that's so community oriented. Uh, it's just children. I call it Chuck E. Cheese night on Friday. It's literally a two to one adult to child ratio. Um, just people just 
little kids just running around. It's sort of a nightmare if you're not into that sort of thing. But if you are a person who's looking for a place to go have a pint and a safe place where your kid can um, go read books on our bookshelf or play with toys or, or run around a little bit, you know, it's a pretty great place. So it's, it's one, it's a reverse characterization of that place that anybody that's ever been there would never characterize it as a hateful place. And uh, two, it's just hilarious. And so we had Yelp reviews. We had people screenshotting my Instagram and, and emailing to uh, um, to Eddie and, and just finding our events you know link on our website to try and get in contact with somebody to say, I'm glad there are other breweries that aren't you know polarizing uh, 50% of the uh, or 49% of the uh, voting public. And, uh, and, and just it was just hilarious. And Eddie was going to respond. And, and I was like, nah, man, don't feed the trolls, um, which is you know the next beer we released was our double IPA, Don't Feed the Trolls. And so it has a great namesake, and it's a delicious beer. I think the best, the most valid criticism of the Trumpkin was somebody who said, wait, are they putting shit in their beer? Yeah. <laughs> and then that, 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 we're like, all right, yeah, that seems It's a valid question. But, I mean, it's yeah. got nutmeg and vanilla and allspice and clove, and it's got a lot of shit in there. No ask, physical shit. Ask Colin how, what he feels about pumpkin beer. I really don't like pumpkin beer. Mm. It seems to that's a, that's a valid to thing that you can that feel. Way. Yeah. I, I really don't like it at all. The Southern Tier beer, Pumpkin. Mm-hmm. Don't like that. Do you guys like that? Yeah. Yes, yeah, I wow. do. A lot. Um, well, I don't feel good about myself <laughs> now. It's okay. <laughs> uh, I'd say that you are, um, you know, if, if the, 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 the voice of the internet is any reflection of the buying public, I think you're in the majority. Uh, I don't think that's true. But uh, I think that it, a lot of people have gone away from pumpkin beer, I think, is, as they've gone away from... I don't know if they've gone away from it, but they, they, as they've gone in a different direction with their obvious in-your-face flavors, I think they've gone away from pumpkin beer being, pumpkin pie being one of those flavors. Now they want um, tropical fruit, tropical punch, uh, pineapple, mango, all those other things that are going to be obvious and then, then misconstrued as, as egregious three years from now. Uh, but Southern Tier Pumpkin uh, 2013 or 2014 is one of the best beers I've ever had most well balanced if you're saying if you're if you're saying you don't like pumpkin pie beers that's fine but if you if you're saying that that's a bad pumpkin pie beer then you're crazy um and so i actually the the brewer over there dustin hazer who who wrote that recipe he's now with uh helio basin in, in phoenix arizona um very talented brewers um friends with uh, his sister they uh that the beer went kind of sideways the following year and uh oh. and i didn't like it it was very burnt nutmeg and then uh, they kind of fixed it. They worked it out since um, then. So have you never liked pumpkin beers, or is that a recent thing? Because it seems trendy that nobody likes pumpkin beers. I don't anymore. know that you ever really I had them before I made it. Right? Exactly. Yeah, I, I had never tried them until I had to write for the Uncapped publication sponsored mm. by the Uncapped Building, and I did not Which is like. A thing. It's a building now. <laughs> the other, the other pumpkin beer I had was the Rogue beer, mm. the Rogue Pod. Do you guys have you guys had I've that? Never had that one. I have. Yeah. What do you think of that? It's it's not as balanced, I don't think. Um, Ooh. But you know, there's there's different levels of beer. So there's two different ranges for pumpkin beer. I don't know why I'm going off on a tangent. <laughs> really, yeah. Beer, so, but there's Colin's fault. Th- this is the former bartender in me, uh, where people are like, oh, I don't like, I don't like IPAs. Because, and I'm not saying that this is a characterization of you. It's just a characterization of the buying public. I mean, it obviously is. But um, so, you know, people are like, ah, I don't like hoppy beer. I don't like IPAs because I don't like hops. And I'm like, well, you're ridiculous. Every beer you've ever had has hops in it. Um, You're just saying I don't like bitterness. And so, like, a lot of times. I love bitter. 
Right. And and so, but now it's about finding the right IPA that suits the person, right? Some people like bitterness. Some people don't like bitterness. We tend to target much lower bitterness um, IBUs than most, most breweries. Um, but it's the same thing with pumpkin beer. So gourd beer is a traditional American style. It's, it was invented in the United States um, it, because it was, a, it was a resource that was available. It was a source of sugar and, and, and starch that could be converted and made into alcohol. And so that's pretty much what people do, right? They take whatever is available and, and they make alcohol that has out of it. fermentable sugars and yep. throw it into it. Exactly. Pick a culture, whether they have sugar cane or they have agave or they have um, whatever source of sugar they have alcohol is going to be produced from that, whether it's grapes, apples, whatever, fruit. Um, and so there are also more traditional pumpkin beers out there too where they don't spice. It, they just use pumpkin. And what, what flavor does pumpkin have? Have you ever eaten pumpkin? Pumpkins? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, it tastes like so water. I, it's squash. Um, so that And that's a pretty cool thing. It actually adds a pretty cool texture. It has some weird pectins and stuff that are contributed to the beer. Um, but then there's pumpkin pie beer, which is the other end of the spectrum. That's your Schlafly um, pumpkin pie beer. It's... Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, you got, and then you got the other end of the spectrum too, or it's, a, I guess if the spectrum was a triangle, uh, <laughs> where you have the fear from flying dog, you know, which is like, a, you know, you know, after your face, like, you know, stout, or is it a porter or stout? I can't remember. It's, I think it's, it's neither. It's, it's a, nail. it's not a dark beer. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a, fear like an imperial. Oh yeah, you're amber, right. My yeah, bad. It's like an imperial October. Like like it's almost like an old ale with pumpkin spices. In okay. It. Somebody's good... who makes that then? Well, Warlock, Warlock from Warlock Southern Tier, but there's somebody else. I feel like Flying Dog like... had some, I don't in, remember. Elysian makes a, a dark pumpkin yeah. as well. I thought it was somebody locally. I can't remember. No, I could. I think at one point Flying Dog made something like a dark was, pumpkin beer. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember what it is though. Yeah, but. I don't. Um, I like pumpkin beers, but I hate nutmeg. Mm. So I definitely do not like. See, I'm the any. opposite. I don't necessarily like pumpkin in the beer. I like the spices. <laughs> right, vanilla. I'm all about clove and allspice. You know, that was a carryover from me being obsessed with the fall coming up on October 1st, where I'll be binge watching Harry Potter films with my wife. Um, our dog's named Sirius Black, so I really like the fall, and <laughs> oh, I really yeah. like Harry Potter. Wow. Um, but, like... That went over my head on so many levels. Yeah. I have no idea. What's... Okay, go ahead. It's okay. Most of this is. Yeah. It's okay. all right. Um, yeah. And, uh... <laughs> shots fired. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so... Like you know, we I just like pumpkin flavored stuff. I'm 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 a basic person apparently. You know, well, you, you <laughs> just summarize Jesus, Harry Potter, yeah, pumpkin. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's Tim. I love that. I'll take that every day of the week. <laughs> but so um, before Colin shamelessly asks you, does Peabody ever have bands perform? <laughs> they do. Colin's huh. in a metal hair band. Oh really? Mm. Yeah. Don't you have to? It's like, called have... Dokken. <laughs> do I? Yeah. I just cut it off though. Oh, did you have long hair? Well, not really. Mm. No. It was it was <laughs> so more a hairless of like, metal band. It was it was probably closer to like a homeless. Mm. Yeah. Haircut, homeless like, chic. Yeah. Yeah. Would you be able yeah. to play a show for mostly children? Yeah. Yes. Oh, definitely. Okay. All right. Toddlers yeah. are your like target audience. Yeah. They, yeah. Nora yeah. like actually is in the our theme music is Collins oh, really? band. That's Double awesome. Double motorcycle. motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. We we're like we try to be across between Trisha Yearwood and um Dawkins. Most deaf. Dawkins. Most yeah. deaf. Most deaf. All right. <laughs> most yeah. deaf. He doesn't go by that anymore. Yasin Bay. Yes. Right. Yeah. He's in South Africa still. I think. No, he's he's is supposed he to be in Baltimore like next month. Really? Yeah, that's pretty exciting. I'm a big, I like most stuff. But he was trapped in South Africa for a while because he was trying to use a passport that doesn't exist. It's a really good technique for getting into international travel. 
It usually doesn't work out well. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. So I also I I love the names of your beers, mm. like you, the ones you haven't listed yet. Um, and well, actually, the only beer of yours that I've tried is OG. Okay. And yeah. that that has also a, it's an Indian phrase. Yeah. Well, G is just a G J I term of respect. Okay. To, to your elders or something, and it kind of fits into OG. Being so. that it's original gangster, yeah. an OG is a person that has much respect on the street. And uh, a G, or a, yeah. I don't know what phrase it it's is. Kind of same thing. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, and it also looks like orange juice. So yeah. OJ, OG, yeah. yeah. But it was, it, was, it was absolutely delicious. Oh, thank you. Um, but also, like, so you have uh, both. Both, or, yeah. Or, yeah. Give, give <laughs> Colin a rundown of what that means. What's both? Both is to be both drunk and high at the same time. It's uh, a phrase that's found in, um, in hip-hop. I don't know if you've heard of that. Uh, yeah. But it's also mm-hmm. a, it's also a track between uh, with Gucci Man featuring Drake, where the hook oh. the hook is I don't usually do this unless I'm drunk and I'm high, but I'm both right now, so both both, and oh. then you have trap 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 trap. You really trap, like hip hop trap six traps yeah lost yeah. count yeah yeah it's okay you start saying it and I, ha- <laughs> I have to do it in threes like chunks of three or otherwise I'll mess that up yeah that was a beer that we collaborated with uh, with Wet City which is a pretty amazing 20 tap um craft beer bar in in baltimore city in mount vernon they have a unlike most um craft beer bars they have a very modern feel it feels um you know it's very bright in there wood do you know who else is an amazing craft beer bar with 20 beers on tap rose house pub yes that's amazing um yeah so anyways it was with wet city and that was a uh an ipa what was the, the hops i Denali, Denali and, and El Dorado. No, Kohatu and El Dorado. Kohatu and El Dorado. And then we used gooseberries in it, which is a uh, fruit that I didn't know existed, which kind of looks like a grape, um, but it's pretty tart. Um, Do they come from a goose? Yes, it is um, a goose's berry. Um, <laughs> yep, it grows right on a goose. And, uh, and so Are they we, harmed in the harvesting of them? No, or is it they pain? actually like it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and so we used gooseberries and then uh, black limes, um, which is... Another uh, thing I've never heard of. Yeah, black limes are sun-dried limes. And they have this really, really perfumey uh, lime aroma that you really can't get from f- even fresh limes, uh, from citrus zest or juice. And it's just it's a really unique thing, and you don't really need to use a lot of it. Um, but it's also an ingredient um, in uh, you know Indian cooking and, and things like that, So, which is part of the influence of why we do things. So... So speaking of collaborations, mm-hmm. you recently did one with Union. Yes, we did. We've done two collaborations last week. Uh, we we so um, the Baltimore Magazine does a reader poll every year, and they they asked people what is the best brewery in Maryland, and you had to type it in. It wasn't like a list, um, and we we won. We tied with Union Craft Brewing, which is ridiculous because on this camera right now are the only two people that have ever worked for and never taken a paycheck from Gunda. And, uh, <laughs> and union is, is, has a marketing team and yeah. salespeople and a presence, you know? Uh, so it just to be, just to be mumbled in the same conversation with one of the most respected breweries in the state and probably the most respected brewery in the city, uh, was a really cool thing. And so John, one of the owners reached out, um, and said, we should make a beer together in, in collaboration. Yeah, here you guys are good. Yeah. So <laughs> says readers. Yeah, I've heard that we're the same people. Uh, <laughs> no. And so he reached out and we said, uh, you read you read our minds. Like, but we don't go around telling people to collaborate with us. We don't have anything to offer. So <laughs> we just we just kind of wait by the phone until our friends call us. And, and so, uh, yeah, we did a, uh, a double IPA. 
we we talked to Kevin, the head brewer there, um, at, at, and we spitballed some ideas of doing some like really traditional styles with a dry hop, or we were talking about doing a smash up. Someone will steal this idea if we, if I say it, so I'll just say it anyways. Uh, doing a smash beer between two of our hits, right? So we'll do like double duck pins grist with trolls hopping, or you know uh, maybe their their imperial stout. We have an imperial stout um, called uh, we have a couple of them. We have one called Night King, which is really cool, and then we have. Another one in collaboration with uh, two of these are both uh, stouts and they both have um, references to Game of Thrones, which I just made that connection in my head. But uh, so we have Night King, uh, which was an imperial uh, stout that we put iced coffee in. Uh, Night King is an ice person, zombie. Anyways, and then also a stout has no name, which was a stout that we brewed with. Um, the guys from, uh, I think I like that name from wine, wine source. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, that was a beer that we brewed because they gave us an Eagle rare 10 barrel, which is a Buffalo trace products, a really great whiskey. They gave us a barrel. And so we made this a double mash Imperial stout. How many hectoliters is that in, in a whiskey barrel? Yeah. Um, it's just, just yes. over two. Cause, uh, there's 25, you know, like I said earlier, there's 25.5, <laughs> uh, 26.5 gallons in in a hectoliter um that's 100 liters and a whiskey barrel is around 55 gallons anyway so math and you better uh be getting these right otherwise yeah ryan's gonna be yeah. emailing me he has my card we'll talk uh but uh, uh so we did that imperial stout and then we made it to put into that whiskey barrel and then we also took part of it out and just aged it you know in the keg um and we also took part of it out and put it on vanilla and blackberries so there's three different ver- variants of the a stout has no name which also lends to the characters from Game of Thrones, who they change faces. So Colin a, loves stouts. I do, I do. That's I all do. he ever talks about. Is Chris stouts. told me for my birthday he had a very special stout he was going to give me, and my birthday was in April. Ask me April if I had April eighteenth. That's my birthday. No, it's not. It so funny birthday. story about that stout. I did have one for him. <laughs> yeah, um, I, and you drank it. No, I did not. You gave it to me for my birthday, which yes. was the same day. Got it. Uh, yeah. No, I um left my refrigerator unattended while my in-laws were watching my daughters Mm. and when i came home that is what my father-in-law had decided to drink wow what was it it was a uh, barrel aged stout um what was the name of it i don't remember the name of it wow the guys at wine source gave us a taste of our favorite barrel so yeah i don't have that for you anymore you can thank you give him your father-in-law's number and he can chat and just yeah. tell you how it was oh, yeah, yeah. Just give, you give you the tasting yeah. notes yeah. okay i'm in i'm in on that what's your favorite mainstream beer what is how do you define mainstream like not craft Ooh, uh none of them none of them yeah no actually oh, you gen- mean like amongst bud light and yes. other- oh well no they can all die in a fiery plane crash <laughs> that's um, not very nice well i just hope that i don't i don't think it'll actually happen i just hope that it happens um it'll be pretty suspect if it happens i know anytime um, soon i don't really get near planes so i can't be really held accountable for my words but um if i was going to say a commercially available beer that is not owned by a multinational conglomerate that's trying to independently crush craft beer and lobby against us and buy us all at the same time i'd say genesee cream ale because i'm from syracuse new york and that's my go-to 99 cent 23 and a half ounce one of my uh, friend's dads that's what he drinks exclusively it's great beer and that and that is a beer that like like unlike American adjunct lagers, which is what uh, most uh, of the, you know the Miller Coors products and, and Anheuser Busch products are, um, you know, uh, Cream Ale is an actual style that existed before they just bastardized a bunch of other styles, and it's a it's, and Genesee Cream Ale is like is the best Cream Ale I've ever had. You know, like whether or not you like that style, 
you know, you can still maybe respect the fact that they're making the best version of it that they can. So. Colin likes the shotgun Natty Bows. Mm. Only when they're warm, though. It gives me a headache. <laughs> yeah. Headache in a can. Yep. It's yeah. not made here. So I know that's that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is your favorite Maryland beer? Um, Non-Gunda. Go, you can go first because I'm talking too much. Oh, I got to think about this, though. Um, okay. Honestly, one of the first, the fear was one of the first beers that made me think, wow, things can taste different than what I thought beer was. Um, I, I, I really like pumpkin beers, and I, I really like Flying Dogs. It was really good, but that I don't think that's my favorite. You talk for a second. I'll think. Um, my current, my current <laughs> reigning favorite that I've had recently that's not available all the time is uh, RAR has one called Maryland. Um, and we had a, was it Galaxy Mosaic, maybe Dry Hop? It Whatever was, the last release was. It's a really yeah. incredible beer. Just very approachable, very smooth, very light. Um, other than that, I really like Waverly's uh, Oyster Stout that they make. is pretty incredible, which he won't eat because he's basically a vegan. Um, basically? That seems like it's, it's a pretty hard, hard line. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very annoying vegetarian. Yes. I'll put it like that. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So, but that that beer is amazing. So, le- um, a level eleven vegetarian, vegetarian not, not quite, quite vegan. Yeah. 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 Stage thirteen clinger. Um, yeah. Oh man, that's did too, get that's way too off tough. Of talking yeah. about the union thing too. You were yeah. sitting there stroking your yeah, beard with a thinking face on. I mean, you still didn't come up with anything. Seven bo- Seven Beauties by Brewers Art. Amazing. I really like that beer. One that was really good. Yeah. Rye barrel aged Seven yeah. Beauties. It's just like it was like chocolate and and yeah. barrel is amazing. So, do you guys have a timeline for like a plan worked out when you want to open your own brewery, or is it just when you're able to, it's going to happen? When when we want to is yesterday, <laughs> um, but like when when we will, that's a good question. So we're I think we have um, you know the marketing and the beer and everything else down. We know our we should our, open another one of those beers. Yeah, too. definitely. Colin looks thirsty. Let's do Flick, which is a uh, double IPA named after Katie Flickinger, which is one of our tasting room, our na- one of our neighbors and one of our tasting room regulars. Uh, but it's a double IPA that we did, and I have to look back here to see what we dry hopped it with. Citra, like Citra, Citra Galaxy and Amarillo. And it says on the back here, hands down the dankest dank you'll ever drink, um, which is a <laughs> reference to uh, Pineapple Express, um, where they say, hands down yeah. the dopest dope you'll ever smoke. Um, can't remember what I was talking about, though. Beer. Well, uh, the timeline. Oh yeah. Uh, for when? Oh yeah. Will... So so we're we're at the point where we've we've uh, yeah um, we're loosely planning on on what to do. Uh, we want to be open by the fall of next year, but we're still making beer where we're at. We're still doing uh, a lot to push our system as hard as we can to make beer um, on the small system, which is a one barrel system. We have some bigger fermenters. And then we're, we're also in talks with with Peabody Heights to start maybe doing like a monthly or bi-monthly release out of out of the Peabody Heights tasting room. We've done uh, three 16 ounce, four 16 ounce cans out of there, one off of the Gunda system, two of them off the Gunda system. One of them was the Duke Law Collaboration Collusion. Um, and then two of them were both in Dam, which were Peabody Heights collaboration. So it was a dual branded beer that we made on the big system over there and we'd like to do more of that so to answer your question we really don't have a timeline we're really bad at that part of of this we we know how to make beer we're making it a pretty excellent product i think and we just need to get the financials situated which means uh 
evaluating our, our brand and what it's worth and starting to do the fundraising and finding a location. And also, as Peter Francho said, there's, there's no dumber place in the entire world. I'm paraphrasing, by the way. There's no dumber place in the entire world to open a brewery than in the state of Maryland in the current situation. And uh, I think that having gone to a bunch of the Reform on Tap meetings, he's absolutely correct. It couldn't be more volatile. And as we saw last year with House Bill 1283, they, you can open up a brewery like, uh, like Carly uh, at Attaboy and then just have them just yank all of your ability to, to make a profit on, on the way that you plan immediately, um, which is, is awesome. And we want to be in Baltimore, which is the dumbest county or city in, this, in the state to open a brewery um, because you have really welcoming uh, uh, counties like Frederick, Maryland, and then you have you know, you have Baltimore that literally is just like, they're like, now our liquor licenses are too valuable. We don't really want to issue you anymore, even though, you know, <laughs> this building couldn't be used for anything else other than manufacturing and, and whatever. So we're working it out. And I, and I have faith that we'll be able to open in Baltimore City and be in a community that we'd like to be um, and and make Baltimore City's uh, a real craft beer destination as it sort of is. Um, but we can we can really work hard to, to be a contributing member to that as well. Have you considered Frederick? No. We have. A, Do you know we, how long it takes to drive here from my house? No. It's like an I hour. Know. You can move. That. Yeah. Mm. We both have terrible cars. It wouldn't go well yeah. at all. You can we, move. We like where we live. Yeah. We like In Baltimore Frederick City. County has a pamphlet that will even tell you how to open a brewery. Really? Yeah. Hmm. The, um, well, Baltimore City has Senate representatives that want to tell you how to not open a brewery. So what do you guys have in that? We in that have... Area? Uh, the only senator that voted, voted against, against 1283. Yeah. Hmm. And the only craft beer podcast in the state. That's not true at all. Yeah, it is. Right, Chris? I think Colin, Colin's the fact checker, so. Yeah. That's right. The Uncapped Building. <laughs> dot yeah. com. The Uncapped Building dot com. You can move into there. Yeah. The Do you guys have space building. here? Yeah. 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 Just set up no. in a parking lot. Yeah. I mean, we could put up like a tent in yeah. the backyard. I think that's how some of your Frederick breweries are operating. Ooh, shot or is that fired. A, or is that a garage door? That, that would, there is there is yes one in a garage. And his beer is pretty his, good. It is pretty good. We and had it. We had it at uh, Maryland Feature Beer Event at DC Beer Week this year. Oh yeah, they, yeah. they were um, at the Meridian Steinhardt. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, their stuff was good. Yeah. yeah. Not everybody's was good. But there's one. Ooh, shots fired. This is. Oh no. <laughs> the meanest guy. Do you want to elaborate? <laughs> yeah. Nope. I talked to them already. Oh, okay. I'm not. I'm not one to keep silent, but I'm not one to lambast new brands because they're That's putting probably... out bad product. Um, some really good stuff, um, though. Too. Yeah, yeah, we did have some really good stuff. Yeah, I actually, I want to go and it's check out Steinhardt's uh, brewery yeah. or garage, but like, that area of Frederick, um, the garages in those houses aren't quite like on the level of a garage that I would possess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think his systems is like the same size as ours. So all like all no, it's like, not. No, what size is it? It's three barrels. Oh, yeah, that's what's so bigger. Dude. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean size. like uh, uh, you know like we have five and seven barrels of fermentation, but we have a one barrel system. So, you know, like all jokes on us. Like we're the ones in the <laughs> corner playing with our playing with our toys. Uh, yeah. So I, like just to bring it back a little bit because I I'm really bad at staying on one topic. The the union collaboration that we did with them. Um, is going to be awesome. We're really excited for this double IPA. They made 60 barrels of it. So if you're wondering if you're going to get to taste it, you will. Um, especially if you're around Baltimore Beer Week, because that's when we're going to release so it. So is it only going to be for that, or will it reach Union's full 
I, I can't even begin to right. guess. Um, I'll, I'll say this. They're probably going to keep as much of it close at hand as possible because that's where our market is and that's where their market is. Uh, and if they're going to roll, if they can roll through 60 barrels in beer week, you know, why ship it across yeah. the state? But I'm sure that if, if you're your customers and roast house pub and and white rabbit gastro and all the the good guys out here and frederick if they wanted it, i'm sure they could talk to him about it but we don't have a name yet um but it is a cool beer we did a double ipa with a little bit of lactose in it and uh so it's going to be a little bit creamier um not too much though is we that don't... a new style that's a that's that milkshake <laughs> style that you that we were that we were referencing earlier a little bit um uh we don't use so much lactose that it tastes like you're drinking sugar uh, that's yeah, not, not something we're into but we do use a small percentage just to to spike it with some body because we want to have some body and some heft, but we don't want malt sweetness. Um, that's not really a character that's going to help carry the flavors of the hops all the way through. Um, but then we we did no bittering additions. We only did whirlpool additions of hops, and what that means is there's going to be almost no IBUs contributed by the hops. Theoretically, there will be some from the dry hop and things like that, but that's more complicated than it needs to be. But we are uh, it's it's triple dry hopped. Um, twice in fermentation yeah twice in fermentation once post fermentation with uh vic secret and citra and like or no not Vic Secret. Uh, idaho, seven. idaho seven yeah, yeah. idaho seven it's a very popular hop right now yeah and we're pretty pumped because we haven't made anything with idaho seven before and we know that citra will play well with it so yeah is it would it be draft only or is it are they going to can it also we're going to do very very limited can release mm-hmm. from the brewery the same way that they've done in the past with 16 okay. ounce cans um, we're, we've yet to decide on those numbers and obviously that's not up to us. Yeah. Um, the union guys got everything covered. We went over there for the collaboration and, you know, just were standing in the way, uh, <laughs> as if, <laughs> if, as if that would be any different at Peabody Heights, you know, like we're, there's just, you know, you know how to use your system. And, uh, we just kind of stood there and took some pictures and drank some beers. We shotgun, uh, they released, uh, their new Pilsner, um, Skipjack, Skipjack is going to be out in stores this week. And so they were canning it that day. Uh, which is like a 12-hour process for Union in their current space. I'm hopeful for their new space that they will be able to do that a little quicker. But then we all went outside, and they had a, one of those VR 360 cameras, and we all shotgunned beers around the camera. And so nice. that got posted on Oh, I on saw that, yeah. It's pretty cool. We have one of those. Do you? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Graham it's... is an expert in 360 video. Yeah. I took a class in everything. Wow. that's. <laughs> I mean, I don't know you could be. Yeah. Graduate there level you go. class. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm so proud of you. I really <laughs> just I'm so hopeful for your 360 career and all the things that that means for you. So if you want to shotgun beers in the parking lot next to the tent, we'll set up for you. That's a that's a severe possibility. Yeah, okay. <laughs> 490 bows. I went to um Union for the first time this past weekend. Wow, you've been missing out. I have. Well, as you pointed out, it's a long drive. Mm. <laughs> yeah. To that side of the state. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And um, I don't leave Frederick often. It's kind of like we don't, there's a good we beer don't leave, scene here. Yeah. So. We it don't is, leave Baltimore it, City. So. It's the beer uh, capital of the East Coast, if you haven't heard that before. Mm, I have heard that before, <laughs> probably from you, because you're the only person that would ever say that. Um, but, yeah, you guys, I mean, Frederick's doing some cool stuff. And then right across the line, you got um, uh, Larry over at Vanish. Uh, Vanish, yeah, man, making some great beers, too. Talk about a space. Yeah, that like, place is beautiful. If you could make a space like that in Baltimore City, which is not a reality, then we would do that because it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's just like I can't remember how many, but he's like Larry always likes to say that in like most uh, tap rooms are measured in um, 
cubic feet mm-hmm. or, or square, square feet, feet and they measure theirs in acres yeah they have like 60 acres or no, not that much but it's like a ridiculous amount of acreage of tap room yeah yeah and then <laughs> we were there nice. for a um i can't remember a band meeting brewers association so, meeting there you go master brewers association meeting in there in this like side room side room that i use with quotes that, that is literally as large as the tasting room you know, and they, they have that just sitting there, and it all opens up, and they do weddings and stuff. It's crazy. It's a beautiful space. Um, will you guys be at any of the upcoming uh, beer festivals? So the one we would like to be at, is, which is my favorite one, uh, is the Canton Waterfront Festival. I think we're going to be at GABF. Um, yeah. We're going to be in Colorado. That's, okay. So, no. But I'm hopeful to be at a bunch of stuff for Baltimore yeah. Beer Week this year. We did just whip up a beer. Like I said, we did two collaborations uh, last week. One of them was a, a, a another double IPA. Or we do single IPA. Uh, that was single IPA. Single IPA yep. with Wet City, and that is scheduled to get uh, dry hopped with Fruit Loops um, and Mosaic and a bunch of other things too. Uh, so we'll see. We want to let the beer speak for itself. What is that going to do to it? I I don't know. Turn it a weird <laughs> pink <laughs> color, <laughs> presumably. A, I don't yeah. know. We might pair it with some some berries, some local berries and berries. Uh, no gooseberries. Yeah. We do have some left. We could put gooseberries in. Um, but some local berries and stuff too, just to kind of get that. But you know, there's a lot of fruity flavors that come from the hops, and and they were like, let's make. We tried to match it up with some hops that there are some hops that already kind of have those, mm-hmm. you know, like sweet candied flavors. So, figured why not? Do you have beers entered in GABF, or are you just going to... We don't. No. Um, we do not plan that far in advance to be able to get samples <laughs> out to... to we also out. just showing up at any festival is hard for us, because one festival day is like three weeks of our production yeah. in total. So we don't make a lot just, of beer. Yeah, so it's hard. But soon, hopefully. We do have OG in the tank, too, yeah. right? So OG will be out again around beer week, uh, and so will the Fruit Loop beer with Wet City, which probably will all go to Wet City, aside from maybe an event or two. And then we have the a stout has no name barrel aged coming out probably in the next few months too, so that'd be fun. Can but. Colin have some of that? Mm-mm. I didn't Mm-mm. think so. No. This has been great. Yeah. <laughs> this is. This has been great. Do you have any questions? Um. No, you answered everything. I was going to ask you about the, uh, the hyper, the, whatever measuring system we were talking about earlier what's Hec- that called hector hectoliters hector 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 100 hector from breaking bad i was trying to make a joke yeah. but it never went anywhere <laughs> yeah no i no, i uh let's see what so you guys have bands oh this yes yeah, so <laughs> yeah. you, you can come play at the brewery <laughs> well, yeah no, well, what, we never answered that do you guys have when how often do you have music well, we had music there this weekend. We did a beer in collaboration with uh, Healthy Harbor. Uh, I don't know if you guys from Frederick know who Mr. Trash Wheel is, but he's a very famous figure in Baltimore City. I've seen pictures of you wearing a shirt. Yeah. Love. Yeah, from actually Liz took that picture when we were doing that podcast. Yeah, so Mr. Trash Wheel is this thing that collects trash out of the harbor, um, and, it, and it caught a snake one time. A giant ball python came wow. up into it out of the water. And so they made this. we made this beer called um, the Lost Python Session IPA. Uh, which is a collaboration between Peabody Heights and, and Healthy Harbor. And it, it's just like a, a great session, poundable summer beer um, or all year long if you like something lighter body. But they, we had a, the Friendsiversary, which was the second time we've done a huge party. The first time we did the party, there were 550 people at the brewery that had, that had come through. And this time it was, it was a little less. It was 350, but it was still ridiculous. So we had a live band. Hmm. Excuse me. Um, I think that. it seems, seems like they have a band probably once every couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's okay. event. It's event based. We do have a stage that we built out of pallets. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. It's like the back of a truck. A trailer. A trailer. You play on yes. a trailer. Yeah, we did that at Old Mother. Hmm. Yeah. Well, definitely come by and play. I'm we're, sure they'd oh, be we're happy down. Yep. I'm there. I mean, if Can nothing else, you could just stand right over now. by our Gunda system <laughs> and just play, <laughs> and we'll just you know go do something else. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll do that and be I'll be ridiculed by Chris. So, do you have anything else coming up you want to? You've already asked uh, him. No, that. I didn't ask yes, that. You I asked did. if he had any. You asked him. Yes, if we were going to be involved with Beer Week. Okay. Yes. No, they said, do you have any other festivals? I want to hear. And then whatever GABF is. I hate you. That is the Great American Beer Festival in yes. in, uh, in in Colorado. We had never we've never been before, and Peabody Heights is sending us out this year, and so we'll be out there. Um, if anybody's listening that has a brewery out there and we want to want to talk or make some beer while we're there, that'd be really cool too. Um, we're always open to collaborating too. That's something that we love to do. Uh, we have um, a couple more that are in the works. Uh, we've done one with uh, Full Tilt for one of the owners' weddings. We did a beer for them. We did. We're done two with, with Wet Nick. City. Nick. Yep. Nick Fertig. He's been on the podcast. Yep. Um, and we've also. We've, I love Hops the Cat. Yeah. yeah well, you're gonna really like Galactic Cat, which is the new one that's coming. I'm gonna out. get. That'll be my first time at Peabody Heights. Oh, really? Nice. Go, yeah. I'm Very gonna cool. go to that. Release. Yeah. So that's coming up too. Um, you know, like I said, we're contract brewery, so we make a lot of beer for other people, and that's that's one of the ones we're excited about. A bunch of cryo hops, which are like lupulin, um, pelletized lupulin powder, essentially, um, with is a little like bit of next, metal matter. The next new thing, it's, or is that it's kind of a combination. So lupulin powder is definitely the next new thing. So they're doing pelletized lupulin, lupulin powder, but also pelletized with a little bit of vegetal matter, I believe. YCH is making cryo hops, and that's cool because they they just interact with the beer a little bit better. So there's so many words I had no idea what they meant. Mm-hmm. You just said. You can tell I have Colin co-host for his vast beer knowledge. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what do you think of PBR? <laughs> seriously, though, do you... Um... See, my questions aren't even taken seriously, Chris. You now asked some you're... of the better questions today, but th- that, was one of, that was the worst. That was the worst? That was the worst question. So it's a yes? You like PBR? So um, since you're going to GABF, do you have an opinion on... Um, Gap. Did you did you happen to listen to the podcast with uh, Jim Caruso about Flying Dog leaving the Brewers Association? Yes, I did. That was a really that was a really informative podcast, especially for industry folks. Um, no thanks to Chris. Do you have an opinion <laughs> on the Brewers Association uh, stance on beer names and those types of things? Like, I have a beer called Trumpkin Orange and yeah. Full of Shit. <laughs> No, I do not need another organization. (laughs) The alcohol industry is so heavily regulated. I do not need a non-regulatory system voluntarily that we are voluntarily a part of telling us how to name beers and whether or not we can we can win medals with them and market with their stuff. Like I get it. You you have I have to defend my brand. You know, like if if you guys just decided to say you know something. Uh, I I just made some stupid really offensive name and then I tied it to the Uncapped podcast and you 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 would not appreciate that you uh, know I'd probably be fi- well i mean depending but i'd probably be fine with it maybe not your bosses though that is absolutely correct exactly so i mean i've already said a bunch of swear words today that you know that are probably not appropriate for this podcast but yeah my, I know, we could do that are we allowed to do that's that? a name it's a proper name okay Use so this a noun you know the, it, what's interesting about it is is that like why are we voluntarily asking another another regulator to tell us what we can do with our beer names? But at the same time, I also understand that oh, Gunda, you know, like Gunda wins a GABF medal for Trumpkin Orange and full of shit, and now I'm putting their GABF medal on my can with 
you know, a tiny little handed, you know, presidential candidate or, or whatever. And I get that they want to defend against that. If they want to have a rule that says we can say whether or not you can you can market with our brand, I get that. Yeah. But that's not who they are. That's not their place. That's not, you know, they're there to assist us and, and lobby for us and, and be an advocate for us against, you know, big beer. Why are we infighting about, you know, what are what the names of our beers are? This is ridiculous. Although there are some beers out there with, like, really offensive uh, things to, to, to women and to minorities yeah. and all kinds of stuff. And, and just stop doing that. That let, 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 you know, you know, the capitalist society decide whether or not they're going to support something like that. And, you know, and that's a, I kind of fall on that, that side of it. If it, it the market will decide if that's acceptable. Yeah. Although the way society has been going, it seems like almost anything's acceptable now. So it probably won't. But there are enough people taking stands against just blatantly misogynistic right. and racist and, and sexist stuff, stuff thing. Way over the top, too. We've had some friends in Baltimore where they made, like, a stupid joke. And then they, they had, like, these feminist trolls, like, after their Facebook account, like, literally. The same thing that happened to us with, you know, Trump trolls or whatever. Like, every group of people has extremists and trolls. You know what I mean? And, and they're going to attack your internet um, presence if you if you offend them and that's their right that's fine like whatever um, but you know I think that if people cross the line the industry will handle it you know what I mean the industry as a whole like the the buyers won't buy it the consumer won't buy it um, the beer buyers won't exactly. place it in their stores exactly they, there's there's a lot of places that will take care of that without yeah. adding regulation but then there's the troll <laughs> consumer you know I'm thinking specifically of uh, you know, like when uh, the baseball card for uh, Billy Ripkin came out, um, he's got this is a throwback oh, yeah. uh, thing, and he's got a baseball bat on his shoulder, and it says F face on the bottom of the baseball bat, and it got released accidentally back when they were releasing mistakes like this in baseball cards to try and yeah. drum up support. Um, you know, and the consumers just ate it up, right? And then, like, you know, you have another brand that says, you know, F Tom Brady on the bottom of their can. And the consumers just eat it up. So maybe not. You know, maybe yeah. we need to have some someplace. But as Francho said, one of the most regulated industries. You know, comparing it to any other product, it would be ridiculous for anybody to tell you how to brand milk or how to sell it or how much you could sell or whatever. And uh, you know, we don't need more regulation, and we definitely don't need it from voluntary uh, groups that we're a part of. So, so you agree with Jim? Mostly, yeah. But are you guys members? Um, Gunda or, is not, but okay. P- I believe Peabody, Peabody Heights is. Um, but I, I'd be, I'd be reaching because I do not know that answer either. But for like, I would, I would think even though for Peabody Heights, it that's like it makes sense for them to be members. They kind of, at this point, Flying Dog probably doesn't get much from being a member of the Brewers Association. If yeah, they win a gold medal for something, it's probably not going to affect their sales one way or the other at this point not really but i think that they're contributing members uh more than you know like kind of what you're saying is like uh what could they what are they getting out of being a member but you know what are they contributing as being one of the bigger brands with freedom of speech being a member that's sitting at the table saying these things like this is ridiculous why are we doing this and why are we letting a bunch of people that have that should have no control over us making those decisions when when you're when you're a part of the conversation when you're a part of the the membership I feel like it's a lot easier to influence things than by then from sitting outside and taking shots. But he the also door. didn't ask to be up to to have anything to do with it. He just he just, yeah, just didn't renew. Yeah, he just didn't renew, 
and he was like, whatever. Everyone knows how I feel about this. Yeah, I made the wrong assumption thinking that they did it. Uh, that they uh, that it came out by like a press release or something. No. Yeah, I, I thought you know I thought he, the same thing. The way that information came to pretty me pretty quickly before we started recording. About <laughs> yeah. time someone did. So would you ever uh, would do you see other people leaving Bam because of this? Do you see other no. breweries? No, no, no. I so mean, you, like, they're who's the biggest player in the state? Flying Dog. So that's who we hear about. Uh, but for us, like, if it, when we have money to be a part of uh, these organizations, which we should, we they should don't be have a, a category to. that assesses fees for one barrel breweries yet. I don't think. <laughs> and and it's just they're they're a really important group of lobbyists was what I'll call them for us on a national and local level to help us influence beer laws. When union was trying to get growlers legalized in the state of Maryland, they played a big deal into that. Um, and, and these are really important organizations. And I think that, I think that we need to be funding them, you know, so that, that we have advocates. Cause if, if we didn't have BAM in Maryland, who uh, would have told us about HB 1283 last year, yeah, if that would have gone through the way that Talmadge branch, that very awesome person who put that bill in single signer but couldn't explain to you any of the reasons why this stuff is in there because he didn't write it. The industry lobbyist wrote it. Um, like, if, if he just snuck that through and then passed it by by the House and then by the Senate and then now it's law, like, the original bill literally allocated specific times of operation yeah. of the brewery. It, it would have put a lot of people out of business. All the class fives. Yeah. All of us. And, you know, we got some things out of that. You know, they te- technically, like, legalized, you know, contract brewing and stuff like that and the ability to collaborate and, and share beer or whatever. Whatever. Screw those people. <laughs> Not really into it. I, I, we have really dedicated uh, house representatives that are involved with, um, you know, they hang out at the brewery. They're there weekly or, or monthly. And, and they had no idea what was going on because they have other things to do. They have, they have sidewalks and schools to worry about. They do not need to worry about the, the intricacies of brewing, uh, the brewing industry and, and how this bill affects it. And that's how this stuff happens is because you have lobbyists well, just submitting stuff and then the House and the Senate just kind of lets it happen. Well, even when we had um, Senator Young on, he even said, like, as the head of that committee, he was not involved in the amendments written to 1283. They didn't involve him. Well, he also got he got he got hung out to dry because of yeah. his stance on it as well. Um, you know, these people need to go. And it's a really hard state to be in um, because because we're gerrymandered the way we are, um, which I don't disagree or agree with 100% either way because it's not like other states are going to un-gerrymander themselves in the same way that we need to. But the, the, the point is we need leadership and representatives that are, are pro-business. You know, and, and we're not asking that, that you have the, the distributorship and all their lobbyists and all they keep saying is, these are in place to protect the consumer. These are in place to protect the consumer. And all the consumer is saying is, I want to go to a brewery and buy a pint like whenever I want. Yeah. And I want to be able to take beer to go. And then, and we all know how that directly influences sales in, in liquor stores. Um, they pretend to take a blind eye to the fact that once we grow big enough where we can't self-distribute, we're going to need to have a partner in the distribution network. We're not undoing the three-tier system. <coughs> we're, we're, we're specifically just trying to give the consumer what the consumer is, is, is explicitly asking for. And we have... You know, you have the the state and uh, state representatives who are saying we don't answer to the industry. We don't answer. You know, you do answer to you answer to the consumer and the consumer is the person who's voting for you. And the consumer is the one that's demanding to be able to have, you know, uh, uh, freer, uh, less regulated beer industry so that they can get what they want when they want it. And, and no one's being protected 
from that except the distributors and I the was big gonna say, no there is one group that is the only ones who don't need to be protected <laughs> sitting at those sitting at the reform on tap meetings and just listening to um you know the the political speech coming out of the distributors you know i've learned a lot about franchise law and how that affected people in the 30s and the 40s and whatever picked up a lot of knowledge all to point to the original point we were like this is stupid you shouldn't be doing this and they were like well these things are in place for historical reasons and we're like yeah well now they don't need to be there anymore yeah that was a different time there's different it's a much different situation absolutely and it's it's just like i went to the last one at jailbreak and they said they they were the question was should grocery stores be able to sell um beer and they gave all these statistics about how it's going to hurt craft beer and how it's going to hurt local liquor stores and how it's going to hurt and then and the most of the beer industry said yeah that would be bad for us if 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 the national brands were able to go to whole foods and giant and harris teeter and whatever and just submit floor plans for their beer and we just get left out of it um and then the distributors say this is really bad for you guys this would be really bad for us because their lobbyists between the distributors and the liquor liquor stores do not want more liquor licenses to sell beer and they don't want people to have the ease of going into a liquor store or going into a grocery store to get their six pack with their food instead of going liquor store and so everyone's just sitting there going we agree we agree everybody agrees no they don't 70 to 80 (laughs) percent of the 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 voting public of the buying public wants to be able to buy beer in grocery stores would that be bad for gunda beer smiths i do not care i do not care i'm not here to have the government regulate things to, to defend an existing brand over the needs and the wants of the consumer. It's, it, and, and it, yeah. it, that's going to hurt liquor stores. I do not care. It's, you know, when, when the, the car was invented, the guy that made horseshoes, he had to find something else to do. And, and it's just like, you know, we're, we're here to protect existing businesses. You know, it's really hard for us to say we need to change regulation that's going to make it easier for us to make beer and sell it directly to the consumer while we're also telling the consumer we're, we're saying the consumer wants to be able to come to the brewery. Consumer wants to be able to. They also want to be able to go to uh, the grocery store and pick up beer too. How can I, on one hand, say that we need to defend, we need to open this up to make it easier for consumers to buy beer directly from us, and at the same time tell them the consumers, for their own safety and for the safety of small yeah. businesses, they shouldn't be able to buy it in grocery stores? It's ridiculous. Yeah, I would think the only. I mean, unless grocery stores put the effort in to actually have a large selection of craft beer, and um, won't that, that be up to the consumer? Won't that they would, decide but, what to buy. Well, but uh, um, I, a grocery store could get by with just, of course, selling large, mm-hmm. and then consumers like us and our consumers to go to the small. Will, they'll go to Wine Source. They'll yeah. go to Whitey's. They're going to go to Wet City. They're going to go to Max's. You don't think Max's is still going to have a line for Belgian Beer Fest because yeah, I'm sure because the Harris be... Teeter is going to be selling Bud Light thirty racks? Yeah, I think that's the only. I think that's the only effect it would have mm-hmm. on the independently owned shops is mm-hmm. they may sell less Bud Light and a little less Natty Bow. Maybe they should. <laughs> maybe they should. They, maybe they should see what's coming, which is change, which is you know these breweries getting more focus and 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 more ability to. Uh, sell directly to consumer and they maybe they need to adapt what their approach is you know stop filling their entire cooler with 30 racks of Coors Light and start filling their doors with bombers of local craft beer and collect you know like we have Wet City and Max's we have Wine Source and Whitey's um, uh, Canton Crossing all these places uh, Drink Up and Timonium that reach out to us constantly that not only want our product because it sells they also want to contribute to us they want to come and make beer with us 
and sell it specifically to their consumer. That seems like an ad- adapted model, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, from from watching and listening <clears throat> the reform on tap, and then just uh, people discussing twelve eighty three afterwards, it seems like the only group that truly has a problem with it is the distributors, like th- the liquor they're... store lobby the biggest one yeah but like independent liquor stores owners don't seem as you might have missed it at jailbreak there were 300 liquor store owners there or there Mm -hmm. oh well they because they're very much against the the uh, thousand percent against yeah because they're just you're you're taking you're taking what is a commodity which is a liquor license and you're making it available freer yeah, but the the only thing they're against is the um, grocery the grocery store yeah. part of it. They're not against breweries expanding or breweries right. being able to sell more beer or any well, of the. But that's what's funny. You, you said you made a good point. I've heard you say it before. The liquor stores do not care because they're going to profit off of craft beer regardless. Yeah. Although, just like when we had this conversation with Talmud Branch and whoever else is in the leadership that wrote this bill, and we said, then who's writing this and what does this mean? And they go, they just shrug their shoulders. They go, I don't know. And then, and then you're like, oh, so this only benefits one group of people, and that's the people who are trying to divide and conquer uh, alcohol in the state of Maryland, and that's the lobbyists. So the people who the liquor stores are saying, literally, like I gave an interview with, I forget, one of the television stations last year when we were protesting this, this bill with Rob Goss from Whitey's. We stood next to each other, and we talked about how this bill was bad for craft beer, and it's bad for liquor stores, and it's bad they're still supporting these lobbyists. And I'm not saying Rob is. Rob is the beer buyer. He's an yeah. amazing person and an advocate for craft beer. But these people that are literally looking at me in the eye and saying, we don't care what you do. Go ahead, make more craft beer. Do what you're going to do. It's yeah. going to it's gonna spread out. It's going to raise the tides. It's going to do all these things. Their lobbyist group that represents them directly is, is the only group of people. The distributors and, their, the, and the liquor store lobbyists are the two groups of people that are anti, you know, breweries Brewery being able movement, to sell more yeah. bill, beer, being able to self-distribute more beer and they do not represent the consumer and they do not represent what's good for Maryland in terms of uh, taxing and tourism. And they also do not represent what the liquor stores want. Yeah. So So what are they doing? They're defending the uh, distributor monopolies. A hundred percent. Well, this has been fun. I feel like we've probably, how long have we been going now? We, we tend to like take whatever your normal amount of time is and then <laughs> just run right through that, <laughs> run right through the end zone and just keep running. So I don't, I don't think I have anything more. Do you? No. You've been very talkative. I know. Well, now you have me thinking about that collaboration between Weiss and Keystone Light. Mm. I think we all want that. You guys have Weiss out here. Yeah. Yeah. We don't. It's a Didn't Pennsylvania we? thing. Well, when I was Didn't in college, Pennsylvania, we had Weiss. Where'd you go to college? Um, a Valley Forge area, Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. I'm not familiar with there. Do you know, uh, um, what's the brewery? Sly Fox. Sly Fox? They're from I've, Phoenix, I've had their area. beer. I've never mm-hmm. been. Right. Well, thank you very much for coming in. Yeah. Uh, I look forward to when Gunda Beer Smith beer will be on tap at Roast House Pub. I'm sure <laughs> you'll make that happen soon. Yeah, we're going to try. Thank you. And just, uh, you know, you can follow us. Uh, the best way to keep in yes. touch, people are constantly like, where can I get your beer? You can't get our beer because we make so little of it. And then when it comes out, it, it goes really quickly. So unless you see us that we're going to be at a festival, we're going to be at an event, those are kind of the only places to get our beer unless we do small drops to Alewife and Max's and things like that. So the best way to stay in touch with where we're going on top on tap 
is to follow us on Instagram at Gunda Beer, G-O-O-N-D-A-B-E-E-R. Um, and then I'm on, on, on social media too, all at TJ Scouten. Um, and Rahul is, is mildly... I just followed all the Gunda stuff so I can keep track of what's going on, but I don't really do anything else. <laughs> yeah, so keep in touch with us on Facebook and send us a message. If you, if, you know, we, we get a lot of messages from accounts that want our beer, and we try to stay focused on the Baltimore area while we're, while we're trying to grow our brand. Um, but we're always open to you know, collaborating with breweries, collaborating with um, liquor stores and, and, and wineries and meaderies and, and anybody that wants to get involved with us. And so reach out to us um, on there or through email. And, and we look forward to making a lot more delicious liquid for everybody in the state of Maryland. I look forward to drinking it. And once again, thank you for coming out here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Cheers. Thank you. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening.